In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. Good evening and welcome to Older Women Likewise. It's such a pleasure to have you with us tonight or if you're watching this later on, so glad that you are tuning into the program. We hope that the things that we bring you uh, each evening, each Thursday evening will help you in your daily walk with God. Tonight we're going to talk about overcoming discouragement and disappointment. And I'll be joined with by some ladies uh, from the congregation where I attend at Beverly Shores Church of Christ in Leesburg. Um, it is such a pleasure to have you with us. And, and these ladies always help me out and they build me up and encourage me all the time. And I think we do that for each other. And it's such a blessing to have sisters in Christ that can do that for us. Sandy is with us and Judy is with us and Donna, who is going to begin our lesson tonight on overcoming discouragement and disappointment. Thank you. I'm going to start with a reading from Philippians 4 tonight. Paul reminds us that we're to never worry about anything, but in every situation to let God know what we need in prayers and requests while giving thanks. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can possibly imagine, will guard our thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. What a lovely thought. You know, this past year has presented us with some new and challenging issues for sure. And we're reminded that life doesn't always turn out the way we imagined. From a very early age, we start dreaming about our future. We dream and plan our lives with such great attention to detail. We anticipate outcomes, and for a moment, we feel happy and in control, and it's easy to trust God's plan for our lives. But we can be so unprepared for the harshness of pain and suffering in this life, unprepared for emotions that can totally control and consume our thoughts. We can feel so disappointed and discouraged when our life it's no longer perfectly splendid like we planned it to be. Collectively, we're seeking practical applications for processing and controlling our emotions when dealing with these unexpected challenges of life. We have a friend, Mark Russell, who's a preacher in Northern Indiana. And he says, we're all just one phone call away from disaster. It's prudent for all of us to develop a plan to help us through the troubles and temptations of life with victory. Tommy Hakewood, our local preacher, often reminds us that Christians are not 
exempt from the troubles of this world. And if we think because we're Christians that we get a pass on troubles, we will be disappointed. The struggles of life can be minor, they can be annoying inconveniences, or they can be devastating, crushing, paralyzing. We probably all know Christian men and women that are inspiring those who have been hurt in the most unimaginable ways and survived, survived with their faith even stronger. When the disappointments of life become difficult, it can be frustrating, exhausting, and sometimes overwhelming. And we may think our lives shouldn't be this way, and the country shouldn't be this way, and people shouldn't be this way, and we shouldn't have to deal with a pandemic isolation, and death. Or we may even ask that question, why me? But we must always remember that God is love and he is not trying to withhold good things from us. His answer to our prayers will always come in the right time and the right manner with the right results. God can use our difficulties to make us stronger and better. And that is the victory we see from the inspiring people. We're not licensed counselors or therapists, and we're not saying to avoid professional care when it's warranted. We are simply reviewing biblical principles and examples to help us overcome the stresses of life. Let's consider that discouragement can be a powerful tool for Satan to use against us. Because if he can isolate us physically or emotionally, he can influence us. The harsh realities of life are not the end for a Christian. We must not let our emotions steal the healing and joy that God has to offer us. We can learn to control our emotions. It starts with a choice. We continue with prayer. We guide our thoughts to good and pleasant things as Paul advises us to in Philippians 4. We thank God for our troubles as we read in James 1. And we learn from our lessons and help others as we learn from David in 2 Samuel 12 where we're reminded that there's a time to mourn and a time to move on and help others. We gain strength through the promise of Revelations 21, where our expectations for a perfectly splendid life will be answered. In our class, we're going through the book, Be Still My Soul. And the author, Lucy Partain, she also has a list of things that are helpful, helpful suggestions of do's and don'ts in her collection of essays. And she gives us great tips on what not to do when discouraged and disappointed, like don't quit attending church and don't blame others. And she gives us many, many good tips on what to do when discouraged and disappointed, but determined not to remain discouraged. You know, whatever our unresolved pain and issues are, we have a king 
who understands exactly how we mm -hmm. feel and how reassuring it is to know that he eagerly awaits us to seek and receive his comfort and healing. God never intended us to go through the struggles of life alone. We are better and stronger together and we are better and stronger with God who can give us comfort and heal us. So now I'm going to ask if our panelists have any comments or questions at this time. I think you've really summed up really well uh, what the God, you know, what God teaches us uh, to do about discouragements and, and disappointments. And uh, we've been enjoying a good study on it in our ladies class and uh, looking forward to talking some more about it this evening. Yeah. It's difficult when your mind is overwhelmed and you're in the midst of troubles, especially when they come unexpectedly. And that's why it's good to have the list. I call it my one, two, three is my mental checklist of when I get that phone call of what I need to remember to do. You know, when we're overwhelmed, it's hard to process additional information. So that's why it's important to think about it when we're not in the midst of the troubles. Okay. We have some wonderful examples of women in the Bible that have dealt with extreme situations and they were victorious because of their faith in God. And now Sandy has some thoughts on Abigail that she'd like to share with us tonight. So here's Sandy. Thank you, Donna. I appreciate that very much. Good talk. Um, I'd like to start out by uh, reading from 1 Samuel 25, verses um, 2 through 4. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, if anybody wants to follow along. And this is the Abigail that was married at one point in time to David. So, you know, she was not married to David at first. So then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man in Moab, whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And wealth was measured back in those days by the amount of animals that you had. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the, same of, now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. Now, to have someone who has been raised to be a faithful child of God and to marry with such expectations, I'm sure, and then to get, find out her husband is just an honorary man. <laughs> he has no respect for anybody. He doesn't care about people. He wants his way. He's spoiled. He's, it doesn't say how he treated her, so we don't know for sure, but just Following this man's path, you know, it's not likely that Abigail had an easy life with him. And so David's men protected uh, Nabal's men while they were shearing their sheep. And when David went to ask, did sent men to ask for uh, food for a feast day, Nabal, uh, he just had a fit. He said, no way. You know, he didn't do anything for me and all this stuff. So Abigail was not aware of the situation at first. But when her servants came to her and told her what had happened, 
she immediately took action. You know, she could have sat there and felt sorry for herself. She could have said, oh, this man that I'm saddled with, you know, just let David come and kill him. You know? I'm not sure that that wouldn't have been my answer to the problem, but I hope I would be more mature. So she gathered up all the food and everything, and she met David on, in the wilderness on the way to meet her. David was coming to, not to meet her, but to meet uh, Nabal's family. He was coming to kill every man in the compound, in the uh, Nabal's household. And what are the odds that two people coming through the wilderness would just happen to meet up? So you know God was in that plan there. So immediately, immediately, Abigail got down on her knees, fell at David's feet. And it, it just kills me when I think some of the things she said. Um, she fell, fell at her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, on me alone. I'm taking all the blame for what has happened when actually she had no blame whatsoever. On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not, my Lord, regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. So she knew what he was. I mean, obviously she lived with him. Again, how easy would it have been just to let him face the, the punishment that he deserved, basically? But she put herself out. She saved face for him that day. And we all know how the story ends when she went back to tell him about it. You know, he was having a big feast, so she waited till the next day. And it says his heart froze within him. So when he died, David sent men to take her for his wife. Now, I don't know about you ladies, but I would have been a little perturbed at David that he didn't come personally to collect me for his wife. But... She didn't, she didn't even hesitate. She just immediately got up and took off again. So I mean, she just, there's so many lessons throughout the rest and many more things we could study. But, you know, to me, she's, she's always been an example of great faith for me. So thank you very much. I'll turn it back over to whoever's next. I think that's me. That's right. Oh, okay. wait a minute. Okay. I do have a question. Oh. Sorry. Let me get it, get it here. Um, why do you think Abigail's tried so hard to save Nabal's, save face for him, save his life? Hmm. What would we I, have done in that same position? Yeah, I always thought it was more, not necessarily for Nabal, as much as for her people, you know, the servants and, and all the, they were totally innocent in the whole thing. And uh, in fact, you know, they came and talked to her about the situation. Uh, but I, I always thought that that was what she did. And she also saved David. Doesn't it say down later in the, the scripture, yeah. he David, he, re he recognized he would have falsely, uh, ungodly, in an ungodly manner, killed all these people just because he was mad. And she saved him yeah. from doing yeah. that. Yeah, and that, that was my thoughts on it, too. So, mm -hmm. all right. Now it's your turn, Judy. Okay. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay. 
All right. So I'm going to speak um, this evening uh, on a woman in the Bible, and she uh, is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the three scriptures, and Mark, uh, Matthew 9.20, and a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his cloak. So... This woman, it says, has been hemorrhaging. Uh, different versions will say uh, she had a flow of blood, uh, blood issues. She really did have issues with bleeding. And um, in Leviticus uh, chapter 15, not sure if I gave that scripture or not. So I'm going to read it right here. Leviticus 15.25 says... If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Wow. You know, a lot went along with being unclean. This this is a, a very sad tale for this woman. Um, I'd like at this point to actually ask anyone on the panel. I'll ask Isla first if she doesn't mind. What? How do you think this woman felt being marked unclean? You know, it would be. You talk about a discouragement. Now, it would be so discouraging that if anybody touched you, yes. they, they, they became unclean and then they had to go through a ritual. And if, if you touched anybody, so, I mean, we're in this pandemic and we're staying away from people, but she did that for 12 years, just her, you know, but like everybody was doing it. Yeah. And, and if she sat on a bed, it became unclean. If she, she couldn't cook for her family because right everything she touched was unclean. She couldn't, I mean, she just couldn't help to take care of, she could hardly take care of herself because of her uh, condition, but she couldn't, she could hardly interact with anybody else. It would have just, I can just imagine feeling that would just bring them so much depression with uh, just being so separate constantly. If there was a time, doesn't the scripture say after so many days she could be clean? And I can just, I'm just imagining she would get better and it would, maybe the, the bleeding would go away and then seven right. days and maybe she'd be clean for a day or two and then it'd come back again. So right. it must have, and not know when it was going to come back because they didn't have doctors and all like we did. Uh, it would have been so discouraging. Extremely, yes, extremely discouraging. Anyone else? Okay. Well, yeah, I agree with 100% with what you were saying. She must have felt very alone. I mean, no one wanted to be around her. You know, imagine not having to be able to maybe hug your family or mm -hmm. just nothing. You're just all alone. Couldn't go out, really. You know, because people didn't want to see her, which is kind of interesting for the rest of the story. 
However, she did manage to go, to, it says, to many doctors, many. And she spent everything she had trying, trying to get fixed, to get well. Well, not only did they not help her be cured, but she got even worse, the scriptures tell us. Talk about discouraging. Mm -hmm. I mean, she got, well, you know, if you go to the doctor and, and you get worse, that's pretty discouraging. So I found a, 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 a I guess you would call it a quote as I was uh, looking around for different uh, opinions on the lesson. And I thought this was real. I liked it because she was a desperate woman at this point. I mean, because we know what's coming and she was desperate. And this quote says, desperation can keep complacency and self-pity away. Hmm. And I thought, yeah, it can. It can. And it did, apparently. You know, she... Um, to move on with the story, she she must have heard about Jesus and she must have heard about his powers that he had, that he had power and that he could heal. And she heard she must have heard about him and she developed some kind of a faith in, in, in Jesus so that because she wanted she was desperate. She was going to just touch his the bottom of his garment. She just felt like her faith and her determination led her outside into the crowd that was all around Jesus, this mm -hmm. crowd. And if they had known, that crowd had known. I mean, this was a very bold move. If that crowd had known who that was, they could have turned on her real quickly. And who knows what would have happened. Well, of course, we know Jesus is there. So he's knowing the whole story. But she does touched the bottom of his garment. And of course, we know what happens instantaneously. She becomes well. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that woman felt like? I mean, praise Jesus. I mean, what did she feel like? So she's made well. The blood issue leaves her. Uh, she feels very good. And Jesus turns around and he looks at her. And he says to her, your faith has made you well. And that's why I, I titled my, my little talk here, Faith and Determination. Because that's what it took. I mean, what a bold move that woman made. And I think that we need to know that faith is a great worth in the Lord's sight. Where without faith, it says it is impossible to please God. So we know how strong it is. And for those of you listening, Jesus is very powerful. He heals, he saves. So open your Bibles and let him in. Back to you, Akla. Well said, and, and that's exactly right. Uh, when we're discouraged uh, by sin, that's what we need to go to. We need to go to our Bible. We need to look to Jesus uh, for that healing that we need. Uh, good job. Um, the uh, next person that uh, I want to tell you about is a lady named Tamar. 
when we first started talking about this, I said, you know, Tamar's the one that comes to mind for me with discouragement and disappointment, but I'm not sure how to work her in because what she did was so outrageous. So if you know the story, uh, and it's in First uh, Samuel uh, that uh, we read about, no, no, I said it wrong. It's in Genesis we read about Tamar. Uh, and uh, it's after Joseph was sold into slavery and before we hear read about all of his uh, doings in Egypt. But Judah, one of the 12 tribes, uh, he had three sons. He found a wife for his oldest son, Tamar. His oldest son was so evil and wicked that God killed him. And so they gave the wife to the second son and told the second son, you need to raise up children for your older brother. Well, he didn't want to, and he was wicked in the way that he didn't want to, and God killed him also. Well, Judah, you know, he's thinking Black Widow now, and so he says, you go back to your daddy's house, and you stay there, and then I have a third son, Shayla, and when he gets older, then I'll bring you back, and, and you marry him, because he's thinking, I don't want to lose another son to this woman. He didn't know what was going on, but he didn't want to take a chance, so how discouraging that she must have felt and the customs in those times. She went back to her daddy's house where she was a widow, but she wasn't free from a husband because she was pledged to Shayla. Mm. So she couldn't leave. There was no place else to go. She had no other, you know, one like she could go get a job somewhere. I mean, she was just stuck there. Um, and she was a drain on the economy because what they, of that of that family, uh, because perhaps she's not able to do the kind of work or didn't do the kind of work that that her daddy needed to be done, uh, you know, with the uh, animals and so forth. That's not the jobs that women did. She couldn't have children to add to, you know, the, the labor force there. She just was. I'm just sure how disappointed she must have been. Mm. And, and discouraged. She'd been cheated. Like the song says, I've been cheated. I've been mistreated. Lied. Yeah. That's right. It's a lied too. And so, lied. You know, yeah. And yeah, that's right. So she was really, she was, must have been really discouraged. Well, she heard that Judah was coming to shear his sheep and it was going to be, I suppose, close to where she was, but she put off those widow's garments. And this is the part that I'm thinking, this is not, this was not a good thing that she did. Right. Uh, she dressed as a prostitute. She went and she met, she sat where she knew Judah would see her. He did see her. He made a contract with her to have a sexual relationship. She got pregnant. He went on his way, but he'd given her a pledge. He'd given her some of his items, his personal things. So that, and because in exchange, he was going to bring her and send her a goat later on. But she took those things. She went back to her home. She took off all this finery uh, and she put back on her widow's garments. Well, three months later, the word came that she was pregnant. Again, this was part of her plan because she was not going to continue to. Uh, it was like she was going to take care of herself. I think of the. Uh, the worthy woman in Proverbs 31, where it says, and I wrote down the scripture, it says she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. This is, Tamar speaks to me because to me, when I'm discouraged, when I'm disappointed in something, I want to, within the law, of course, within God's law, 
I want to find a way to overcome that disappointment, to overcome that discouragement and not to let it destroy me. And that's what Tamar did. She didn't hide the pregnancy because that was part of what she needed to, to, to get back in with Judah. She, he was going to come and burn her because she was uh, acted as a prostitute. When she came, she said, well, look, who's this is the pledge that you gave me. Look whose these are. Well, to me, that's a bit of a play on words because he had given her the pledge that she would have a husband and he didn't do it. And now here's this pledge that he gave her and she's bringing it back to him to say, see, you know, you're the one that these are your children. And as it turns out, it was twins. Um, and he said, she was more righteous than I was because she, I didn't give her to Shayla to be her, uh, her husband like I should have. That doesn't mean that she was righteous in what she did. I don't want anybody to misunderstand that. But she had acted in trying to raise children to her husband. And, in, and she was overcoming that discouragement that she had. Uh, she was not, apparently that was, it was within the law, you know, within the customs and all, because uh, her son, one of her sons, was in the lineage of Christ later on. God used this, uh, this uh, occasion to into that uh, lineage, lineage to, to bring to Christ. So Tamar's one that, that, that I, I don't know, it really speaks to me because I just see her pushing forward. Um, I, I wanted to um, uh, share a scripture with you that um, our preacher, again, Tommy, shared with us the other day uh, about when he preached a lesson. You know, I don't know if he knew we were going to be talking about this, but he preached a lesson about discouragement. It's um, scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 35. You remember the story about Saul and uh, Samuel had to tell him, you know, you're not going to be king. It's all over. You know, God's taken away the kingdom. And uh, the scripture tells us Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. And Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king of Israel. Uh, and so they were, you know, there was sadness in Samuel's heart. He was discouraged. I know he was so disappointed. Don't you know he started out with such great ambition? You know, he thought, oh, Saul will be great. This is the Lord's anointed, you know. And then Saul just, you know. But in chapter 16, God says to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. God told Samuel, let's, you know, let's move on. We don't need to keep grieving. We don't need to keep being unhappy about this. Find what we can do. Find what you can do. And let's move on with our lives and, and move on past this discouragement. Uh, God comforts us with from our discouragements and our disappointments. And we go to God in prayer. We look at his word. He comforts us. He helps us. But part of that comfort to me, for me, is that he helps us to move on 
from that discouragement to find, to set it aside. If there's sin involved, make it right. If there's poor judgment, make that right. And then pick up and move on again. Ladies, how do you, how does that strike you as far as? I think what you're, what you're saying there, Isla too, is that we have a part in making things right. God helps us. Mm -hmm. yeah, he does. We ask him for that help, but we have a part. We can't just sit back. We can't just sit on our laurels and say, okay, God, do what you're going to do. He will help, but we have a part, whatever that part is. And and the two um, women that we talked about tonight, they moved. They did something. They didn't just sit around. They they were determined to fix what needed fixing mm -hmm. yeah, with God's help, but they have a part. And, Absolutely. And there are other women too uh, that were discouraged and they did something about it. Hannah, right. she couldn't have, she prayed. And then not only, she didn't just pray, Lord, give me, give me. She said, I want, give me a son. I'll give him back to you. You know, she was really determined to work with that. It was more than just, just, you know, I guess more than just give me and, and over and over. Um, I think uh, Esther was one, how discouraging it must've been when she saw the edict from her husband <laughs> to kill all of, uh, you know, all of her people. Right. But, but she, did what she could and you know she got past that prayed for god to be with her as she went before the king um and there are many others many other women uh, men is too of course but you know many other women that uh in the bible that really just overcame discouragement and and disappointment i i uh, uh in their lives and all of us can as well we can uh look to god uh for that help and then we can look in his word and think of what we can do to help ourselves. Anybody else? Very good. Yeah. Very good All right. Great. Thank y'all ladies so much for being yeah. with us this evening. And, and thank all of you who we appreciate all of you who are watching and listening to the program uh, next Thursday evening, Cindy Dunnigan is going to present a lesson on love to us. And she's going to have some wonderful ideas about that virtue of love as part of her series of the 12 virtues that she'll be bringing to us throughout the year. Don't forget that will be on Thursday evening this coming week, next, next week, Thursday evening at eight o'clock again. On Tuesday evenings, answering religious error. And on Wednesday at noon, uh, Q&A, questions and answers, uh, Bible questions and answers, and, and send those ahead of time. Comment on the show. Please like us and, and share our videos, and uh, we hope to uh, be back again. Cindy will be talking next week, and then we ladies will hope to be back again next in two more weeks, uh, talking about uh, women as leaders uh, and uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about elders and preachers. That's not it, you know. But uh, we want to talk about the ways that women lead uh, in their communities, uh, at their work, and how that can be done 
within the, the word of God. So be sure to stay tuned and, and uh, comment, share us, like us, follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you again so much for being with us this evening. Good night.